friends, it's October 28th. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we read aloud the scriptures and highlight observations that you don't want to miss. October 28th is a special day in the lives of my friends who are descendants of the praying Indians of the Massachusetts tribe. Today is the anniversary of John Eliot preaching the gospel to their ancestors. Tribal leaders from Miskatequid, the original name of Concord, Massachusetts, Wabin, Tasunsqua, Webakawit, and Squasachem gathered at Nanantum, that is Newton, Massachusetts, on October 28, 1648, and heard John Eliot preach the good news of Jesus Christ and the new birth from a text in Ezekiel chapter 37. So October 28th was the day of the conversion of their leader, Wabin, from Mesquitequid, who established the praying Indian village of Natick, Massachusetts. I had the opportunity of telling that story in the musical Song on the Wind, the story of the first forty years of relationships between the people of Mesquitequid and the first English settlers and the King Philip Wars that put all to the test. I also had the privilege of conducting the wedding ceremony of their tribal leader on this day on the grounds of the Elliot Church by the Charles River. So happy anniversary to our brothers and sisters. Isn't it good to know that there will be representatives from every tribe and tongue praising the Lamb of God who paid our ransom in full and reigns as Lord of all. We finish both the book of Jeremiah and Paul's epistle to Titus in today's readings. In the book of Jeremiah, we hear Jeremiah's prophecies about Babylon, and in the final chapter, we see how these prophecies come to pass. So let's get started. Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 54, and we will read through to the end of chapter 52 and complete the book. Jeremiah 51, verse 54, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. A voice, a cry from Babylon, the noise of great destruction from the land of the Chaldeans. For the Lord is laying Babylon waste and stilling her mighty voice. Their waves roar like many waters. The noise of their voice is raised, for a destroyer has come upon her, upon Babylon. Her warriors are taken, their bows are broken in pieces. For the Lord is a God of recompense, He will surely repay. I will make drunk her officials and her wise men, her governors, her commanders, and her warriors. They shall sleep in a perpetual sleep and not wake, declares the King, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, The broad wall of Babylon shall be leveled to the ground, and her high gates shall be burned with fire. The peoples labor for nothing, and the nations weary themselves only for fire. The word that Jeremiah the prophet commanded Sarahiah the son of Neriah, son of Masiah, when he went with Zedekiah king of Judah to Babylon in the fourth year of his reign. Sarahiah was the quartermaster. Jeremiah wrote in a book all the disaster that should come upon Babylon, all these words that are written concerning Babylon. And Jeremiah said to Sarahiah, When you come to Babylon, see that you read all these words, and say, O Lord, you have said concerning this place that you will cut it off, so that nothing shall dwell in it, neither man nor beast, and it shall be desolate for ever. When you finish reading this book, tie a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates, and say, Thus shall Babylon sink, to rise no more, because of the disaster that I am bringing upon her, and they shall become exhausted. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Chapter 52 The Fall of Jerusalem Recounted 
Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out of his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon, and in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And they built siege works all around it. So the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled and went out from the city by night, by the way of a gate between the two walls, by the king's garden, and the Chaldeans were around the city. And they went in the direction of the Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, and he passed sentence on him. The king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and also slaughtered all the officials of Judah at Riblah. He put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains, and the king of Babylon took him to Babylon and put him in prison till the day of his death. The temple burned. In the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, that was the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard who served the king of Babylon, entered Jerusalem, and he burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burned down. And all the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive some of the poorest of the people and the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon, together with the rest of the artisans. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left some of the poorest of the land to be vine-dressers and plowmen. And the pillars of bronze that were in the house of the Lord, and the stands, and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces, and carried all the bronze to Babylon. And they took away the pots, and the shovels, and the snuffers, and the basins, and the dishes for incense, and all the vessels of bronze used in the temple service. Also the small bowls, and the firepans, and the basins, and the pots, and the lampstands, and the dishes for incense, and the bowls for drink offerings. What was of gold the captain of the guard took away as gold, and what was of silver as silver. As for the two pillars, the one sea, the twelve bronze bowls that were under the sea, and the stands, which Solomon the king had made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of all these things was beyond weight. As for the pillars, the height of the one pillar was eighteen cubits, its circumference was twelve cubits, and its thickness was four fingers, and it was hollow. On it was a capital of bronze. The height of the one capital was five cubits. A network and pomegranates, all of bronze, were around the capital. And the second pillar had the same, 
with pomegranates. There were ninety-six pomegranates on the sides. All the pomegranates were a hundred upon the network all around. The people exiled to Babylon. And the captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three keepers of the threshold. And from the city he took an officer who had been in command of the men of war and seven men of the king's council who were found in the city, and the secretary of the commander of the army, who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the midst of the city. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And the king of Babylon struck them down and put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hamath. So Judah was taken into exile out of its land. This is the number of the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive. In the seventh year, three thousand and twenty-three Judeans. In the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, he carried away captive from Jerusalem eight hundred and thirty-two persons. In the twenty-third year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive of the Judeans seven hundred and forty-five persons. All the persons were four thousand and six hundred. Jehoiakim released from prison. And in the thirty-seventh year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the twenty-fifth day of the month, evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him, and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put off his prison garments, and every day of his life he dined regularly at the king's table, and for his allowance a regular allowance was given him by the king, according to his daily needs, until the day of his death, as long as he lived. This concludes today's Old Testament portion, and it also concludes our reading of the book of Jeremiah. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. Jeremiah was not able to visit Babylon personally, so he sent Sariah, the staff officer, the quartermaster, who cared for the comforts of the king, to deliver his prophecy. In Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 59, Sariah may have been the brother of Baruch. Sariah is commanded to read the words of Jeremiah's scroll aloud and then pronounce that Babylon will be desolate forever. Sariah is also assigned the prophetic action of tying a stone to the scroll and throwing it into the Euphrates River, saying, So will Babylon sink to rise no more, because of the disaster I will bring upon her, and her people will fall. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 64. Jeremiah chapter 52 is almost identical to 2 Kings chapter 24 verses 18 through chapter 25 verse 30. The purpose of this chapter is to show how accurately Jeremiah's prophecies came to pass. It is estimated that the siege against Jerusalem began on January 15, 588 B.C. and ended two and a half years later on July 18, 586 B.C., when the Babylonian army penetrated the Jerusalem walls in Jeremiah 52, verse 7. Although King Zedekiah flees towards the Arabah, the Babylonian army pursues him and captures him on the plains of Jericho. 
All the details we read about in 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 7 are repeated here. Zedekiah's sons are killed before Zedekiah's eyes, and then Nebuchadnezzar orders that his eyes be put out and he is taken captive to Babylon. The destruction of Jerusalem is described in detail. Nebuchadnezzar puts to death the chief priest, also named Sariah, and the second priest, Zephaniah, and three officers of the temple. Other officials are also put to death. The book ends with an epilogue concerning the son of Nebuchadnezzar showing favor to Jehoiakim, releasing him from prison and treating him kindly as a royal officer with a special allowance and a seat at the king's table all the rest of his days. Now let's move on to the book of Titus for our second stop in our Bible reading tour today. Titus chapter 3, and we will read through to the end of the chapter and the end of the book. Be ready for every good work. Titus chapter 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless." As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament, and it concludes our reading of Paul's letter to Titus. The Apostle Paul has been giving Titus instruction as how to have believers function as a good witness to the gospel. They are to show respect to those in authority and demonstrate the gospel's power to generate a Christ-like demeanor in believers. Paul then describes the miracle of conversion. Once we were deceived, blinded, and enslaved by worldly passions and pleasures. Now, by God's gracious intervention, through Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior, our lives are changed. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7. Paul is clear on how to handle divisive people in the body of Christ. You give them due warnings. If they continue to be divisive after two warnings, have nothing to do with them. Titus chapter 3 verse 10. Paul is writing this letter from Nicopolis, where he has decided to spend the winter. This city was on the western coast of Greece. Paul requests that Timothy visit him there. Tychicus or Artemis could possibly replace Titus and take over his responsibilities on Crete while Titus visits Paul in Nicopolis. Because sea travel was dangerous in the winter, Titus would have to leave soon. Paul's final word is a call for all Christians to live productive lives that will bring a blessing to others. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Titus chapter 3 verse 14. Paul sets an example as a fruit-bearing disciple. He has the best interests of other Christ followers in mind as he prays, strategizes, and seeks to make the most of every opportunity to spread the gospel and maintain the shepherding care of the churches in every locality. Now let's move on to the joyful hymn of Psalm 100 as our Bible reading tour goes to the book of Psalms. A Psalm for Giving Thanks, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 100 is a great symphony of praise. May the Holy Spirit call every part of our being to sound forth symphonically in praise to the Lord. The psalm is short enough to repeat here. Notice the worship verbs. Shout, serve, come, sing, know, enter, give thanks, and bless. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. We can too easily dismiss the hurtfulness of our words by saying, just kidding, or I was only joking. This habit is dangerously destructive. Let's pray in the light of what we have just read. O God, you are our only Savior, and it is not by any works of righteousness that we have done, but you have saved us according to your mercy and the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. We marvel at the grace we have received. 
that you should lavish your love upon us and call us your children. Our desire is to give you praise and to live productive lives that will bless others and be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We've come quite the distance as we have traveled through both the Old and New Testaments, and tomorrow we start new books in both. In the Old Testament, we will start the book of Lamentations, and in the New Testament, we will read Paul's letter to Philemon. So I do hope you can join us, and we hope that this podcast is encouraging you in a daily intake of God's Word. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can learn more about our many ministries and how you can be supporting our outreach. So wherever you are, whatever your situations may be, may you be filled with the Spirit and rejoicing in the good work that God has begun in you, knowing that He is faithful to complete it. Shalom. Shalom.